Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Amen. God is good. You know how they say he's got a face only a mother could love? Well, Joey and I have been friends for a really long time, so he sees me with special eyes. I have a face that only my very dearest friends could love. And um, we've, we have been able to walk this walk together and seen each other li- live before the Lord and, and struggle like we all struggle. But um, we've seen each other... And watched each other be faithful in the Lord. So, uh, to God be the glory. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. You guys have seen those movies where somebody falls asleep and they take you really quickly to the person's dream. And they find themselves like in the middle of a field, like a prairie or something. I want you to do that with me. Let's put up Psalm 23 up on the, uh, on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes as I read this. Um, I know it may make some of you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but just bear with me and close your eyes as I read this. And I I want these verses, I want the imagery of these verses to take you to, to see this place. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You can open your eyes. God is good. And my, as I was preparing for this message, my cup was running over. And I pray that as we share God's word today, I pray that he allow, that your cup would run over as well. This is the God that we serve. This is the only, the only thing we need, like the worship team was saying. All I need is you, Lord. All I need is you. We get stressed out. We have so many questions we don't know the answers to. We don't know what's around the corner or how we're going to solve whatever it is that's burdening us. But the Lord is our shepherd. And he will make you, if you allow him to be your shepherd, he's going to cause you to sit, to lay down in green pastures. And God will lead you beside still waters. If you let him lead you, you may not find yourself in still waters. You may not find yourself in green pastures. If you allow God to lead you, that's where he's going to take you. Amen. Psalm 8110, please. And with this, we're going to pray for the word. The Bible says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Those of you who want to hear from the Lord today, I want you to pray with me that the Lord, as I open my mouth, the Bible says God will fill it. And if you want to hear from the Lord, let's just pray that God would speak to us today. That God would use, it says open your mouth, that God would use a simple man. A simple man as an instrument to fill his mouth to speak to us. So those of you who want to hear from the Lord, I ask you to pray, pray along with me that God would speak to us. Father, this morning, Father, this morning, we're, I'm going to open up my mouth and I want you to speak to your people. Fill your word. Fill me. Fill my mouth with your word. Fill my mouth with your word, Lord, that I might not speak on my initiative, that I might not speak my own thoughts, 
But Lord, that you would speak to us today, even though even using a human vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to John 4, verses 23 and 24. It says, but the hour is coming. So there's an hour coming. Something's coming, okay? But it says the hour is coming and now is. So the time has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Next verse. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Christianity is not merely a moral code. It's not just a way of life. Let me say that again. Christianity is not just a way of life. It's not just a moral code. The Bible says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank you. Bear with me. I'm not feeling too well, so I'm going to be drinking some Gatorade as we... Uh... As we preach. The Bible says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. First thing I want you to get, take away from this. God is spirit. If you want to worship God, you need to worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? You don't know how many people I've met in church that have been here for 5, 10, 15 years and they say, I'm just not spiritual. I'm just not spiritual. That's for the pastor. That's for those people who, who, I just don't feel the spirit. I'm not a spiritual person. Well, guess what? The Bible says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means you need to become spiritual. And we'll get into what that means because I know that that's an abstract topic and I know that a lot of times... That's what keeps people away, is that they don't know what spiritual means. They haven't, they don't understand what it means, and so it, it makes them feel uncomfortable. It's an awkward topic. But understand this. This is not a way of life. This is not Western civilization. It's not something we do like a country club or the Kiwanis or something where we get together to do good works. God is spirit. And if we're going to worship God, we, have got, we need to worship him in spirit and in truth, which means we need to be spiritual. And we need to know the truth. I, you don't know how many Christians I know that don't feel confident about the truth. When they want to talk about something, when they want someone to hear about God, they go and call somebody else. Because they're not confident and they don't understand Or, or they're not confident and they're not knowledgeable about the truth. So God wants us to worship him in spirit. And God wants us to worship him in truth. Or to know the truth. Or, and that requires that we know the truth. And that we're spiritual. Let's go to Ephesians 6 verse 12. And this is just to confirm the previous point. For our struggle, or that translation says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So let's just, let's just break that down. Let's break it down, okay? Because that's a lot of words up there. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is not a struggle against what we can see. This is not a struggle against flesh and blood. There exists a struggle against powers, it says. It says there's a struggle against spiritual forces and uh, spiritual forces of darkness in heavenly places. There's a spiritual struggle. Again, re-emphasizing the point that we live in a spiritual world. And that our struggle as Christians, this is not simply a method. Christianity, again, is not a method to be a, a, a productive member of society. Many people look at it that way. Oh, Christianity is good. It got you out of drugs. Christianity is good. It made him, it gave him work ethic. Christianity is good. It got him away from alcohol. It kept him with his wife. Christianity does all those things. But 
Christianity is not simply a method to become a method that Western civilization uses to be a productive member of society. The Bible says that this is not a wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a wrestle against what we see. It says we wrestle against spiritual forces in the heavenly places. So again, in Christianity, this is a spiritual walk. Now again, we're going we're to get into what, spiritual, what, spirit, what that means. What is a spiritual walk? We're going to get into all of that. But I need you to understand, this is not a moral code. We are called to walk a spiritual walk, to live a spiritual life. Non-spiritual people shy away from talking about the spiritual. They don't want to hear about it because it's abstract. It's uncomfortable. They can't grasp it. We're all used to walking by what we see. Well, from the time we were born, we were taught to, we learned how to avoid trouble. If we ran into the door a couple times, guess what? We stopped running into the door. If we caught our finger in the, in the, in the door or in the window, I'm thinking of all the examples of my daughters. What we learned to walk in the natural to walk by what we see. And so when we talk about being spiritual, it is uncomfortable because it feels abstract. We, we, we're used to walking by what we see. But God says he wants us to worship him in spirit. It says it's necessary that we worship him in spirit. So we have to get into this somehow. We don't understand it. We're not there. But somehow God wants us to get into this. So let's press in and find out what this is. If it's not based on natural comprehension, if it's not based on what we understand, then what is it based on? How am I supposed to walk if I'm not supposed to walk based on my natural mind? Let's go to John 16, 13, and 14. How am I to know how I'm supposed to walk if it's not according to my natural mind? John 16, 13 says, when he, who's he? Glad you asked. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and will declare it to you. Let's go back to verse 13. We're going to break it down again. I always think of MC Hammer when I say that. Break it down. That shows my age. However, when he, who is he? Again, the spirit of truth. So there is a spirit of truth, which the Bible says is the Holy Spirit. It says when he comes, well, he already has come. This was Jesus speaking before he died. And he said, unless I leave, the, cons the comforter can't come to you. So This was speaking before the Holy Spirit had come. But Jesus said that when he left, he sent us his Holy Spirit. So when the Spirit of truth comes, how are we to know the truth? Well, there's a Spirit of truth. How are we to be spiritual? It says the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. And he, he will guide you into all truth. Are you supposed to find it? Are you supposed to figure it out? It says, he will guide you. The spirit of truth will guide you into, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all things. He will not speak of his own authority. He will tell you the things to come. And then the next verse. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. How are you going to know the truth? The spirit of truth will declare it to you. It'll bear witness in your spirit. You'll be convinced from the innermost. And no matter, your, your mind will be thinking all sorts of excuses. But this God, but that God, but what about this? But the spirit of truth inside of you will bear witness that it was the word of God. It says, I will declare to you, how will you know what's from the Lord or not? It says, the spirit of truth will declare it to you. He's going to take what's God's. And he's going to make it known to you. How does this work? That's God's job. 
Your role is to allow him to guide you. You don't have to worry about how it works. He will declare it. He will guide you. But you need to understand, you need to let him guide you. Because guess what? The problem is not that we don't hear him. The problem is sometimes he guides us to places we don't want to go. And so then we say, we, well, you know, I'm not sure it was God. How do I really know? Because look at this guy. He doesn't do it that way. And look at the other guy. And we start reasoning. But we're not reasoning. We're using our reason to come up with an excuse. You know how Pete, there's some, there's some people that are really, really smart and really sharp at coming up with excuses. And they're sharp, but they're not using their wits to a good, to, for good. They're using their wits to get out to excuse themselves. They use all their wisdom and philosophy to excuse themselves from what the spirit of truth is declaring to them. The spirit of truth wants to guide them somewhere. And God wants to guide you. And you'll know it. You may be able to excuse yourself away. You may be able to rationalize it away. But you'll know that the Spirit of God is leading you. And you know what? If you haven't felt that before, ask the Lord to guide you. Say, Spirit of truth, come upon me. Lord, I want to know the truth. I'm, I'm tired of being deceived. And I came to church. And they're telling us that You, your spirit is truth, and it, it wants to guide me. It wants to speak to me. Lord, I don't want to be deceived anymore. I want to know your truth. Tell God. If you go to, the Bible says, seek and you will find. Ask and you'll receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. If you seek God, you will find him. I've yet to see somebody seek the Lord and not find him. Amen. So again, this reemphasizes God is spirit. The spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. And he will disclose to you. He will advise you what is from the Lord. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing which you have, <clears throat> excuse me, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaching you, the same anointing teaches you concerning all, all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as I taught you, you will abide in him. It says you have no need that anyone should teach you. So how are we going to learn about spiritual things? How are we going to know what truth is? How do we navigate through The spiritual world, if someone doesn't teach us, it says his anointing, which is on you, teaches you all things. So I started reading, well, what's the anointing? Lots of people around with lots of ideas about what the anointing is. They think it's electricity, it's power, it's some real It's just so many crazy things to talk about anointing. I looked it up in several Bible dictionaries. I looked it up in two Bible dictionaries and in dictionary.com, which is not Webster, but .com, by the way. That's a different dictionary. You know what anointing is? It says it's a smearing. A smearing. A used to symbolize consecration when God was going to choose his king he would send a prophet to anoint him that was a declaration a public visible physical if you've ever been anointed with oil some of you haven't but if you've ever been anointed with oil I'm trying to think of what would be somebody hasn't been anointed with oil I'm trying to think of something similar that gives the same uh, similar sensation If you've ever been anointed with oil, there's a physical um, 
sensation that comes that you can almost relate to in the spiritual. And so the anointing is a consecration, and consecration is a big word, that all it means is set apart for God. You could consecrate, it's not only for God, consecration can be set apart for any purpose, for any spiritual purpose, so different people use that term. But consecration means set apart for God. And anointing was simply a physical, visible action to communicate that this person has been separated for God, that this person has been selected for God's purposes. That's what the anointing is. So when it says that you have the anointing which teaches you all things, God has set you apart. God has anointed you and set you apart, consecrated you for his purposes. And because God has set you apart for his purposes, he anoints you. And that anointing, that consecration to God, in that, it says it teaches you all things. The consecration will teach you all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it taught you, you will abide in him. So what are some of the things that the Spirit of God teaches us? What are some of the things that the anointing comes to teach us? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. You guys are in trouble, by the way. The Bible says, in former times, God overlooked our ignorance. God, and, and you do that with your kid, right? I do that with my children. Your parents maybe did that with you. We overlook ignorance. If somebody doesn't know, if my child didn't know they weren't supposed to do that, I might cut them some slack. But once I've told them not to do it, there's much less slack. And so God, you could have walked in here saying, God, I don't, you could have said, I don't really know what God is. I don't really know who God is. I don't know anything about God. But, you, but you're going to walk out and you're going to have known, it's going to have been declared to you, God is spirit. And those who worship God... You might say, well, you know, I go to church. I'm a good Christian. The Bible says it's required. It's necessary that those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth. So now, sorry, guys. You're on the hook. You're on the hook. Because now you know that God requires that you be spiritual. It's, it's, it's. I can't believe the church has come so far or, 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 or so low that it's a surprise. I could understand if it's a surprise to non-Christians that God wants us to, that God requires us to be spiritual. Because until you hear God's word, how else will you know it says? How will they know if they're not, if, if no one goes to preach to them? So... For a non-Christian, I can understand that they don't know God wants them to be spiritual. But the crazy thing is, or the, the sad state of affairs, is that in so many churches, in our church, I guarantee you there are people who think coming to churches following the, is, or, or being a Christian is about following the rules. Being a Christian is about talking the talk. Being a Christian is about Showing up to all the services and smiling and saying hallelujah and God bless you and clapping. But God is calling us. God requires us to be spiritual. And he gives us everything we need. It says he will guide us. God is not going to hold you accountable for any truth. Listen to this. God is not going to hold you accountable for any truth. That he hasn't revealed to you. He says he will reveal it to you. So if he hasn't revealed it to you, you're not accountable for it. But you know what you're accountable for? You know, I don't need to tell you. You're accountable for what he has revealed to you. 
And so God requires that we grow. And it's uncomfortable and we don't like it because we, we learn to become comfortable in our, in our lives. But God is a good God. And God confronts us. And he says, do you love me? He says, unless a man deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, he, he's not worthy to be my disciple. God confronts us and says, you need to keep going. You need to keep growing. You need to know me more. You need to, you need to press in. I called you for something. I didn't call you to goof around. I didn't call you to play church. I didn't call you so that you would have a wonderful life and everything would go well with you and, 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 and you know, you can have Sunday lunch and dinner with your family and, and just enjoy life. I have a calling on you. I've set you apart for my purposes. And if you... Call yourself a Christian. You must worship me in spirit and in truth. You must. That means you must let the spirit of God guide you. Where is the spirit of God guiding you? Is the spirit of God guiding you? And if so, where is the spirit of God guiding you? Matthew 4.4 4. But he answered, Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you, here, are you living by bread alone? What does that mean? Well, keep reading. It says, man shall not live by bread alone. What does that mean? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So are you living by bread alone? Or are you hearing God? Are you hearing God? If not, the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. You need to hear God. Listen to this. You need to hear God. Most Christians believe that hearing from God, well, not most Christians, but too many Christians believe that hearing from God is for the pastors, for the leaders, for the elders, for the spiritual people, for the people that come and pray. It says man. And that's not talking about man and gender. It's talking about man, the human race. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. You need to hear from God. You need to know God's word. You need to. Your body needs physical your body needs bread, physical food, right? How many of you can go too long without eating? If you, your, your physical body won't last, won't survive. Let's think of it this way. Your physical body won't survive without physical food. Your spiritual body won't survive without spiritual food. Remember God is spirit? Remember, we must worship him in spirit if we're going to worship him. Your, your spiritual body can't survive without spiritual food. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3, 15, and we're going to go 15 through 17. So we started out saying that God, I think, I think that was the first verse, right? That God was spirit. Yep, we started out talking about that God was spirit and that we must worship in spirit and in truth. We heard that the spirit of truth will guide us. You know what? I didn't spend enough time on that. So before I go on, I want to go back to that. Well, who sings that song? You are not alone. I am here with you. You guys remember that song? Anyone? No? Who is that? Not sure who sings it. But you are not alone. He is here with you.
This is not. You guys got to get this because this is not. Um, this is not these aren't fables and these aren't stories and these aren't just parables for us to like. Philosophize about life. God wants to guide you. Remember that first, the psalm we read? He makes me lie in green pastures. He leads me behind still waters. God wants to guide you. Do you want God to guide you? The spirit of truth wants to guide you. He wants to reveal to you all truth. What does that mean? And when I say what does that mean, I don't mean philosophically. I mean, what does that mean in your life? What are the changes that you might have to make? The Bible says, prepare the way of the Lord. When you hear God's word, that one of the things that the Bible says is to prepare the way. That means get in there, get in. It says plow, plow the, the ground, the soil. Prepare what are the areas in my life that are keeping me from, what is it that's keeping me from following God? What is it that's keeping me from letting God guide me? Get those areas out, deal with them. At the end of the service, if we have time, we're going to have an altar call just to, and I'm not an altar call type of person. I, I, for some reason, when I get to my, the end of my message, it's, I, I just close it out. And, and, and Joe, Pastor Joey was mentioning to me about maybe doing an altar call. And I said, you know what? This, we need an altar call. Because in our lives, God wants to guide us and lead us. And there's things that hold us back. I remember there were things that held me back. I remember there's things that hold me back now. And I used to have to keep giving, coming to God and saying, God, take this from me. God, burn this away. Burn all this stuff away that, do, that doesn't please you, that holds me back. Because I hear your word and I want to run after it. But I struggle. So what is it? I identify what are those things that are holding you back, that you're wrestling with, that keep you from letting God lead you and guide you. Because God wants to lead you. And man, you're really on the hook now. This is a very... This should be a very sobering message that God is calling you, that God wants to guide you, that this is not something for some spiritual type of people. Well, there's a type A type, there's a type A personality, a type B, and a spiritual personality, and that's for spiritual personalities. This is not a personality thing. It's necessary that we worship in spirit and in truth. And God will show you what that is. It's your responsibility to follow his lead. You don't have to figure it out. You have to follow his lead. Second Timothy 3, 15 through 17. How do we figure this way out? Spirit of truth. The word of God. It says man shall not live by bread alone. It says and that you from childhood. And he's talking to Timothy. So in some of your cases it may not be childhood. But here's the point. Knowing the scriptures. Which are the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. The scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation, you have known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Listen, guys, this is not complicated. It's not complicated, but you need to know the scriptures. The scriptures make you want to know how to be wise for salvation. You want to know how to understand God's will and God's purpose. Where do I come up with this stuff? I'm not making it up. The Bible says, know the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Knowing the scriptures does not provide salvation. 
Salvation does not come through knowing the scriptures. It says, they make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So we're all saved by faith, okay? But the Bible says that we're to worship in spirit and in truth. In order for us to know how to walk this walk, in order for us to have the wisdom to understand how to walk, it says we need to know the scriptures. Go to the next verse, please. All scripture, listen to this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction instru and instruction in righteousness. Next verse, please. That man may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scriptures are inspired by God and they will thoroughly equip you for every good work. So, when we talk about spiritual things, most of us feel inadequate. We all feel inadequate to some degree. When we talk about spiritual things, we feel spiritually inadequate to some degree, especially when you're hearing it from Paul, when you're hearing it from Jesus, talk about feeling spiritually inadequate. But the Bible says that we feel spiritually inadequate, I, I wrote down, because we don't understand and because we don't feel equipped. But the Bible says that all scripture is inspired by God, able to give you wisdom. Lord, I don't understand. Well, the scriptures are able to give you wisdom and make you adequate and equipped for every good work. There goes that excuse. The scriptures are able to equip you. Let me tell you how, what I thought about. It. You know what equipping is? It gives you the equipment. It gives you the tools. It makes you adequate for every good work. I work at FPL, and sometimes they give you a project, and in some departments they give you a project, and they throw you at it, and they don't give you any tools, they don't give you any equipment, they don't give you anything, and it's like what they call sink or swim, and they throw you in the bottom of the pool. Guess what the number one complaint is from people when they're thrown into that situation? Man, I didn't get any training. I don't have any tools. How am I supposed to do this? It's like a painter going to paint without a brush and a ladder and, or, or, or a roller. And you know what it's called in Spanish and English. We just call it roller, right? <laughs> what do you call it in Spanish and English? Roller? Paint roller? Um, so God equips you. He gives you everything you need. Training? It says the scriptures will train you. They're, they're, they're profitable to train you to make you adequate and equipped for every good work. What you need is in the scriptures. You will, we feel inadequate, get to know the scriptures. And we all have to start somewhere. But get to know the scriptures because they are what equip every man for every good work. Man, that's, you, that's a pretty broad statement, right? That doesn't leave, it doesn't leave anything out. Equip for every good work. You could do anything that you need to do on this earth. If you know the scriptures. Now, the scriptures don't teach you, don't teach you math, right? But we all know some people who get through life without knowing math. So scriptures don't, the scriptures don't contain everything you need. They contain everything you need to do God's will. And what else matters? What does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Amen. So God hasn't left you by yourself. God hasn't left you to figure this out on your own. I didn't sit there and come up with this on my own. You know what I did? I went through the scriptures. And I remembered the scriptures that other men of God had taught me. And they encouraged me and I encourage you to commit them to memory as much as possible. If not, if not memory of being able to recite them, at least memory in knowing the principles, knowing what it says. The Bible says, blessed is the man who meditates on God's word day and night. That means you hear God's word and you go over it and you go over it and you go over it. What does it mean? What is it trying to say? How does it apply to my life? 
Lord, help me to apply it. Lord, if there's an area, this is what I do. I'm just, I'm kind of telling you how I talk to the Lord and how I, and how I meditate on Scripture. Lord, where does that apply in my life? How am I, where is it that I'm not applying it? A lot of times, I know exactly where it applies and how, I'll tell you what my recent prayers have been. Lord, what part of the day, where do I mess up? I start out with the intention. I know what you want me to do. And I get to the end of my day and I look back and somewhere you and I got disconnected. And I ask the Lord and I, and I, I, I search my life. Lord, what part of the day did I, did I go astray? So it's not complicated. But you have, to, you have to make this part of your life. The Bible says in him we move, in him we live, and in him we have our being. There's nothing else for us to do. The Bible says he will give us all we need. God will supply all your needs. Listen, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He's all we need. So... What else matters? Nothing else matters. Hebrews 12.1. So God's teaching us. What is God teaching us? What is God telling us? We know God wants to teach us. We know God wants us to worship, to be spiritual. We know God wants us to know the truth. I hope that's not too much. Is that too much? I know it's a lot of concepts, right? I wasn't sure where to cut it off, but I've seen where sometimes I'm blessed by the first part of the message. Sometimes I'm blessed by the last part of the message. Sometimes the message comes and I go off on a tangent thinking about maybe one scripture alone that, that blessed me. And it had nothing to do. The, the, it was just... It was just one point in the message and the pastor went on. But in my life, God was speaking to me and he pierced me with one verse. So I know this is a lot. Hopefully you'll see how it all ties together. Hebrews 12.1. God wants to teach us. Spirit of truth wants to teach us. Wants to reveal to us the truth. What is the truth? It says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God's word gives us wisdom and understanding, right? And it leads us to truth. So what do we understand from this verse? From this verse, we understand that we're all in a race. Somebody asked me what the title of the message was. Best thing I could come up with was in it to win it, okay? I'm not a Democrat, but in it, but I'm borrowing from them. In it to win it, okay? God's word gives us wisdom. Here we see we're in a race. It says a race has been set before us. If you're a Christian, you're in a race. God has placed you in a race. Like it or not, Agree or disagree, whether it fits with your plans for your life. I don't know about that. But God has placed you in a race. And it says, it instructs us to run with endurance. Number one, you're in a race. Did you know that? Take that in for a second. We're in a race. That begins to paint a little bit of a picture, right? We're in a race. It instructs us to run with endurance. Don't just run, run with endurance. It instructs us to lay aside every, what does it say up there? I have a different translation. Uh, so, uh, easily ensnares us, every weight. My, um, my translation says encumbrance. Lay aside every weight and the sin that ensnares us. So there's sin, and sin we, are, we know if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, bear with us here. Sin. We know God wants sin out of our life. We know that we got to deal with sin. We got to get it out. That's clear to any Christian. We got to get rid of sin. We have to repent from sin. We have to walk away from sin. 
But then it says, and every weight that so easily, every, sorry, it says every, uh, it says cast aside every weight. And the sin which ensnares, we get rid of the sin which holds you. Imagine running a marathon or imagine running a sprint, any kind of race with extra weight. On the contrary, that would, that would slow you down. How many think? There, how many think that in order to win, runners want to pack on some fat? How many think that in order to win, runners are going to strap on a backpack? When you go to war, you strap on a bulletproof vest. You stop, they, they carry 80 pounds of equipment because they're at war. They're shooting bullets. People are shooting back. They need equipment. But in a race, you want to be as light as possible. They wear the thinnest shorts. They're they, they try to be as thin as possible, keep only muscle on their body. And they want to be as light as possible, the lightest shoes, everything that gives them an advantage. What is it in your life that's weighing you down? It says, lay aside every weight. You're in a race. What's slowing you down? It says, lay that aside. It says, lay aside the sin that so easily entraps us. Let's go to, to continue with this principle that you're in a race. You're going to see it's in another uh, set of verses. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9.24. And we're going to go through verse 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Verse 25, and everyone who competes, in the, competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. All, it says all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win the prize. I think it was the first, I think it was 25. I think it's 25. Yep. Oh, no. Sorry. 24. 24, do I hear 23? 23, no, just kidding. 24 is fine. Do you not know that all those who run in a race all run, but one receives? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. How many Christians, how many people call themselves Christian? We're all in the race. But only one receives the prize, right? Run in such a way that you may win. What does running to win look like? What does it look like when you're in it to win it? Paul says he exercised self-control in all things. I think this translation says temperate in all things. He says, I didn't run without aim. Some of us aren't even running, right? And, and you know what? Sadly, that this, we, gotta, we, have to, we have to start. I think it was, was it Calvin Duncan that said start where you're at. Was that one of his principles? Start where you're at. So a lot of us, sadly, the church doesn't, the Christians don't see themselves as if they're in a race. But to take from Calvin Duncan's principles of life in abundance, it says start where you're at. So where you're at may be that you didn't even consider, you didn't even know that you were in a race. Start where you're at. Okay. Here I am. I didn't know I was in a race. The spirit of truth tells me I'm in a race. And it says run in such a way. So some of you aren't even running. Guess what? Start running. Understand. Internalize. Ex embrace the fact that God has set you in a race. And then it says run in such a way that you might win. So for those of you who knew you were in a race or who are familiar with this verse or who occasionally 
understand Christianity in this light, how are we running? Run in such a way that you may win. It says, he, what does that mean? I'm not running without aim. I'm not beating the air. I discipline myself. This was Paul, guys. Now we're going to talk. Now we're going to talk, not complicated, but heavy, okay? Paul said, I discipline my body and make it a slave to myself. I think it's 27. I discipline my body and I make it a slave to myself, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqual become disqualified. This is Paul. You guys got to get this. Those of you who are Christian, who know who Paul is, who know what Paul did, okay? Those of you who are running the race, you have to really think about this. Paul, the apostle, said, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, which is I make it a slave of I, I, I make it a slave to myself so that after I have preached to others, Paul is talking about being disqualified. Paul is saying, I need to run in such a way that I might win. I can't let up, I can't slow down, I can't slack off, lest I be disqualified. How many think Paul was qualified? This is Paul. Paul was qualified. So when it says, lest I be disqualified, we're talking about Christians. We're talking about any level. Let's put it that way. Any level of Christianity. You can't let up. You can't slow down. You can't get lazy. You can't get comfortable. It says, run in such a way that you may win. Lest after having preached to others, I myself be disqualified. 2 Corinthians 3, 15, 3 verse 5. Is that it? Sorry. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves. I want to pause here because we've been reading a lot, and I don't want this just to become something that we just read over the verses. The Bible says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself, not just a cursory, not just a light examination. Hmm, let me think about that for a little bit. Test yourself to see if you're still in the faith. Do you still in the faith? That implies, oh, is that what it says? You are in the faith. It doesn't say still in the faith. Examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. Faith, Test yourselves. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? This is the same, along the same lines of what Paul was saying earlier. You can be qualified. And it says test, examine to make sure you're still in the faith. You may have been qualified at some point. You may have been in the faith at some point. You may have been in the race at some point. Are you still qualified or have you been disqualified? Are you still in the faith? I know you may have been in the faith. I know you were in the faith. I know you were qualified. Are you still qualified? You, have you been disqualified? Test yourself. He says it twice. He's saying, listen, look at yourself in the mirror. Look at yourself in the word of God and test yourself. This is not something... This is something he really wants you to take to heart. Test yourself to see if you're still in the faith. Do the three characteristics that we mentioned earlier um, apply to you? Do you exercise self-control in all things? Do you run with aim? Do you discipline yourself? So that after all your long walk and all your years in Christianity, you're not disqualified. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Continuing with, uh, the, with trying to understand what it means to test yourself and to, how do I examine myself? What is the criteria with which I examine myself? I fear 
that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. There's another translation. Um, let's try. Think in Spanish. Don't even don't put it in Spanish. I'll just translate it. In Spanish, it says that the serpent may have uh, led you astray or corrupted you from a simple, sincere devotion to Christ. So here's the test. In your life, is there a simple, sincere devotion to Christ? God says, examine yourself. Where's your devotion? Where's my devotion? I'm, I'm preaching this way, but if I was down there, it would be coming at me. Where's my devotion? What am I devoted to? What consumes my mind? What am I chasing after? Have I been led astray? From a simple, sincere devotion to Christ. Test yourself. Examine. What are you about? What's your life about? What's my life about? We have to test ourselves. Romans 8. We're going to go 1 through 12. And we're going to close with this. I'm going to close with this, but it's like 12 verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Well, I'll read it from up there. Therefore, now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. Who, for whom is there no condemnation? For those who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. We got to walk according to the Spirit. And don't tell me you don't know what that means, because we've been talking about it for 45 minutes. I can start over if you want. Just kidding. Don't tell me you don't know what that means. It says, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Who's in Christ Jesus? Those who do not walk according to the flesh. What is God calling us to? First of all, we know he's calling us not to walk according to the flesh. So again, examine yourselves, Paul says. But those who walk according to the Spirit. Next verse, please. For the law of the Spirit of for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Next verse, please. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not. In who is the righteousness? I'm doing this on purpose. I know it's repetitive. In whom is the righteous requirement of the law fulfilled. In other words, who are the people of God? Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I'm not repeating myself. I'm just reading. He says it multiple times. You think Paul, so Paul is trying to get something across to us. We're not called to walk according to the flesh. And that's how most of us walk. That's how most of us walk most of the time. But Understand, let's, let's start where we're at. God's confronting me and confronting you and saying, you're not to walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, how do we know if we're walking according to the flesh? For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What's your mindset on? The Bible says that the Word of God is like a mirror. So when it says examine yourself, He gives you the criteria. How, how do I measure? What, how do I know if I'm in the faith or out of the faith? It says, those who live, it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their mind on the things of the flesh. So where's our mind? What are, what are we... What are we preoccupied with? But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded, even in church, even if you come six days a week, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So there is, you know, let's, let's, let's loosen up a little bit because I know I've been hitting you guys hard. Let's loosen up a little bit. Because here's the good thing. 
walking in the Spirit, life and peace. Can we go? Yeah. Can we go to the verse that ended with life and peace? I think it's it. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God is calling us to an awesome, awesome life. He wants to take you there. He'll show you. He'll show you the way and his grace is abundant. Listen, none of us can do, by the way, let, so now let's look at it. Now let's, that's one side of the coin. Now we're going to flip to the other side of the coin. None of us can do this on our own. Okay? If I had you tense there because you didn't, didn't measure up, none of us measure up. Ever. Ever will. Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the worst. If God could do it in me, he could do it in anyone, Paul said. And this was Paul. So, all of this is, was meant to bring you to the understanding that God wants to guide you. And we sometimes, we play dumb. I was thinking, nos hacemos el bobo. We play dumb. No, that's not, he's not talking to me. I just, all I was trying to do was get you to understand. God is talking to you. And, and God is good. God is good. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his goodness. And it says that he guides you, so you don't have to figure it out. It says he gives grace. It says that he equips you. It says in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So what I wanted, what I wanted us to get out of this is God is talking to you, and God wants to talk to you. And when he talks to you, he takes you to live a life of that of full of life and peace besides still waters but you got to let God deal with you just let him deal with you it's so much easier it's not easy but it's easier it's gooder that's not a word it's better it's better for to be carnally let's go to the next verse verse 7 Because the carnal mind is enmity or sets itself as an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Verse 8, please. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I confess, I walk in the flesh. When I walk in the flesh, not pleasing God. So at least God help me, teach me to avoid that. Change me so that I don't do that anymore. Spirit of truth. The Bible says he convicts you with regards to righteousness. So you can ask the Lord, Lord, teach me how to please you. Teach me how not to walk according to the flesh. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Next verse, please. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God wants to dwell in you. The Spirit of God wants to dwell inside of you. That's awesome. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not, he is not his. Verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. Who gives life? The spirit gives life to your mortal bodies. God is saying, I know what you're made of. I know what you're made of. I know you can't do this on your own. But the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can breathe life into your mortal body. Into my mortal body. In my weakness. In my failures. In, in everything that I'm not. God wants to show up and fill that vessel. If I say God come in. Do it. Do the work. I'm, if I just make myself available. God will show up. And we're going to see. His glory. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Dwells in you. 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to the, your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors. We, therefore, de brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. Verse 13. Verse 14. For as many, and we'll close, we're going to close it up with this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if we could have the musicians come forward. And I want you to meditate on this verse as they come forward. As many, let's be on our feet. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you want to be led by the Spirit of God and you and the, the Holy Spirit has brought to your attention areas in your life that you want to get right with God, things that are holding you back, things that are um, maybe sin that's holding you back. If you, if you want to ask the Lord to do a work in you so that you would be spiritually minded and learn what it is to be spiritually minded. The altar is open. You guys can come forward. Um, and this is just between you and the Lord. It's just you showing the Lord and, and making a public declaration. God, I want you. I want you to speak to me. You spoke to me today and I'm responding. If you, if you want to respond to this word, just come forward. Just have some time with God. Whatever the Holy Spirit brought to mind, just converse with God as the worship team uh, ministers to us and ministers to the Lord. Open up your heart to the Lord and just tell Him. Tell him you're responding to whatever he's showing you. You want to be led by God. Lord, I want to be led by you. I surrender. I surrender.